welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I'm your host, Jason Tardick, and welcome to the pre-market trading segment. This is where I tell you an expectation of what you can expect from today's episode and guest. I'll also share some market secrets you should know going into this week, and I always provide a quick update of what's going on in my life from a personal, professional, and financial standpoint. So let's first start with this guest. I'm super pumped. I mean, sometimes these episodes we have are very detailed, educated, eye-opening. Sometimes you gasp. This one, buckle up. And it's perfect timing because you're going to laugh. We have a comedian on, Jared Freed. So just this week, and this is why he came on, he released his first ever special on Netflix. The irony of his Netflix series is called 37 and Single. Bizarre timing as I am now 34 and single. <laughs> and when we recorded this podcast, I was 34 and engaged. Oy. But anyway, you may know Jared Freed as a stand-up comedian. He is extremely well-known within that space and that industry. You might even know him as like the hilarious guy. Hi, Ramen. Okay, I'll get to that in my personal section. I got Ramen here. I don't know if you heard him bark. But he's a hilarious guy who roasts Bachelor Nation. Like This is like one of his things that he always does, 24-7. And if you don't know him from stand-up comedy or roasting people from Bachelor Nation, you're going to know him and you're not going to forget him after this episode. And yes, he truly completely dusts roasts crushes me he actually digs up his roast from 2018 so when my bio came out in 2018 with the picture and the bio now just so i give you context i don't write this bio okay abc wrote the bio so don't think i wrote it but he absolutely just completely lights me up so stay tuned for that you'll also hear how he got his own special. I think what's really cool about him and relatable to the Money Mafia is Netflix didn't come knocking on his door. And he talks a lot about how in life, no one really came knocking on his door, but he took control. He built a special by himself, paid for it himself, then went to pitch it to all the big streaming services. 98% of them passed, but Netflix came through and bought it. You'll hear what he paid to make it, how much Netflix paid for it. You'll hear all the trading secrets behind the scenes of stand-up comedy, what they're paid, how to get in it, how to train for it. And if you're not interested in stand-up comedy uh, in a profession or even learning the ins and outs and trading secrets behind it, he gives, I would say, about five to seven massive secrets about performing as a stand-up that you can actually apply to your career in your life. So that's a little bit about Jared Freed. Excited to have him on. And even just <laughs> even when I'm doing the intro, the guy's cracking jokes. So you're going to be laughing right from the get-go. Now, I got to tell you about something that happened in the market last week. You might know Michael James Berry. He is an American investor. He's a hedge fund manager, and he's also a physician. I didn't even know that until I did some more research on him. But he founded the hedge fund Scion Capital. What does that mean to you? Next to nothing. But you might know this. Have you ever heard of that movie called The Big Short? Well, Michael is the genius who came up with all this analysis in 2008, and he predicted the stock market crash. He bet against the stock market. He made a personal profit of over $100 million and a profit for his remaining investors of over $700 million in 2008 when he bet against the stock market. If you're not familiar with anything I'm saying here, go watch the movie. It's super entertaining. It's called The Big Short. This past week, the same guy, Michael Berry placed bets worth a notional amount of $1.6 billion against the S&P and NASDAQ last quarter. Now, the information just came out this week, although he made the bet last quarter. Why is that? Because when hedge funds make their trades, at the end of the quarter, they put together a 
report, we'll just keep it simple, a report that becomes available to the public. And it just became available from last quarter. And we know that he bet against the market $1.6 billion. This is the guy in 2008 who said it was going to crash and it did. And now he's predicting it will do that again. Now, where does the trade stand? All we know is last quarter, that's what he did. There are a lot of critics that are out there saying this guy was a one hit wonder. He had one big bet and that's it. And the market is in a much, much better position than some of the other bear markets that we've seen in the last 10 years. And they're all saying this is a crock of bullshit. We'll see what happens, but this is big news. I mean, the guy that predicted our last massive collapse over 10 years ago, in 2008, profiting almost a billion dollars from it, just put his money, $1.6 billion, in the fact, we'll have another one. So that's one you should know going into this week. Now, for me, um, you heard ramen barking. Caitlin has been in LA working this week. Um, so I've been lucky enough to have the boys with me, and it has been just a true blessing. I just think through this time, and it's like, Honestly, we talk a lot about careers and, and money here, and that is a huge foundation to our life. But it just comes down to relationships, friendships, and those who are around you. And even though Robin and Pino are animals and pets, they're best friends to me, and just having them with me has been amazing. Uh, having a great support system in the last um, you know, month to a few months has been everything to me. I've leaned on them harder than I've ever in my life, ever leaned on my support system. And I think what I've realized, I go to therapy tomorrow, actually, I can't wait, 90-minute session, like I need it so bad. But what I've just realized is that there's no, there's no timeline on handling grief, you know? And being in love with someone and losing that someone, it's just sad, it's lonely, it's an empty feeling. And there's times where you have these just tidal waves of depression. But then there are these times where like you feel lifted and you feel good again. And it's just this back and forth flood of emotions. And what I'm learning is that, you know, grieving is just the whole process of honoring, respecting, and having love for what was. But then also at the same time, with the same level, and if not more, honoring, respecting, and having love for what is. But we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there with work, with time, with support, with friends, family, healing, and all the things. So as I move forward in my next steps, I'll be in a short-term rental, and then I will be in the process of looking through uh, real estate. I've already actually started that journey. So as I get more information and as I go through that process, of course, I'll keep all of you updated on the numbers and the structures and the negotiations and some of the things I'm thinking um, from a real estate perspective as that does pertain to what we do here on Trading Secrets. But let's transition the emotions from here to some laughs with right now, Netflix top 10 shows in the United States since launch, 37 and single with the one and only comedian, Jared Freed. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I can't wait for this guest to just mock me as I do my intro, but today I am joined by... Mock you? You're reading about me. I'm reading this about you. This is the most you. embarrassing thing in the world. This is nails on a chalkboard. Payback's a bitch. Yeah, today I am joined by New York City-based stand-up comedian Jared Freed. Jared has become well-known for his comedic insights into how millennial dating and relationships begin and end, ranging from the obsession over dating apps 
trying to be real adults and worrying about their looks on a daily basis. From performing alongside the likes of Jimmy Fallon to writing for media outlets such as Bro Bible and Total Frat Move, Jared has made his mark across many comedic outlets around the country. In addition to his stand-up comedy work, you ready for it? Jared hosts two, ready for this, pump, tire pump, highly rated weekly podcast. It's three now, which is even oh, more Oh, don't worry. I didn't lose. I'm the research king, bitch. You up. Co-hosted by Jordana Abraham from Betches, who has been a guest on the podcast, and the J Train podcast that he hosts on his own, both of which focus on various takes on modern day dating and generate a combined, we're going to have to talk about this, 1.2 million plus monthly listeners. I don't know these numbers. Seems a little inflated. It, it's a lot. In inflated. fact, Jared now has Nick been... Vial inflating my numbers. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> telling people my numbers. There we go. Well, this is a numbers <laughs> podcast. In fact, Jared has been called a dear Abby for dudes, which right. is why both men and women tune into his shows on a regular basis. I promise we're almost done. So right. much so that Jared recently launched his new dating show, Dating Makeover via Spotify. Already been canceled. That airs Sunday night, <laughs> already canceled, and fans can join in to advice directly from Jared, which is now canceled. Canceled. But Welcome to Trading Secrets. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this, this is all, this is like, you ever have your mom, hear your mom tell your job to someone else? Yes. And you're like, stop, please, right now. No, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. You're like, your mom's like, no, he's got a podcast yeah. and everyone listens. And, you know, he's one of those, you know, comedian. He's a funny guy. Jared, you know. And you're like, oh, you're just melting next to your mom. Is that how you felt? I. That's how I felt. Well, okay. anytime, I'm not, I, you know, what am I going to say? Like, I, I don't know. I make the funnies. I yell at the TV when the batch is on. You, you know? make the funnies, <laughs> yell at the TV. For the rest of the podcast, I am going to take the role of your mom, and I'm going to transition <laughs> that and segue into... You have huge news, honey. Tell everybody your big news. Tell everybody. Let's start with that. I got a Netflix special. It's called 37 and Single. Okay. I called all my bachelor pals and i was like can you get me on your big huge podcast and here i am so i want everyone to go watch it we're gonna we're gonna put this we'll out right it. when this comes out I, that, just for the, you you're the best See, just just because this is why you're what we call a mensch in the jewish community uh, yeah. i appreciate it. so it's out on netflix watch 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 stuff so, 37 single that's what it's called it's my life you know okay. it's dating it's breakups it's body issues it's gender reveal parties it's the ick it's all stuff that's it's highly relatable and i want people to go watch it enjoy and have a date night and have fun with it because it's all laugh. guys go watch it but let's get into this how the hell does jared freed ripping on bachelor people doing stand-up <laughs> comedy land a netflix special talk I, to me about I, I, that. okay so i guess the process is like you know, it's very, you know, stand-up's like an entrepreneurial thing you know like yeah. if you you know stand-ups you, you, you'll meet them and you'll be like None of us think we're hard workers, but they're probably the hardest working people you know. You know, you got to go on stage every night. You got to go create an act. You got to go on the road. You got to find a way for people to find you. So over the course of since I've started stand up, I don't think I had enough confidence to believe anyone would pluck me from obscurity. So I've always like created my own things. I used to write weekly columns. I would then I would tweet The Bachelor and then I would start yelling at it on my Instagram stories. I've started calling that the live scream. So I yell at the show every every week, as you know. <laughs> so I've been doing stand-up for 13 years. I was started open mics in New York City, four open mics a night, and then working my way into the clubs. And then people started wanting to see you and you can sell tickets on the road. So you get to go on the road and I was building an act and there's a point with an act where it's like 
I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't keep telling these jokes. I want to move on from these jokes. Mm -hmm. So you want to put them up somewhere. And there's some people that are lucky enough where Papa Netflix, you know, Ms. Netflix, Mrs. Netflix comes up to them and is like, here's your pile of money. Go tape the special and we're going to promote it together. We're going to be amazing together. And, you know, you're part of the team. Did that happen to you? No. <laughs> like most things, I had to go knock on every door. Okay. And I went and invested my own money to make a special. You know the question's coming. Okay. You can't TV up. How much money? Do I have to say it? You got to say it. These costs 80 you spend eighty grand of your right. money to put together a teaser, right? Or what do no, you mean? No, put together word? to tape the full-on special. And listen, I'm not saying the number because I'm alone in this. Lots of comics are doing this. A lot of stand-ups, anywhere from ten thousand to eighty thousand dollars, they're spending a lot of money. Okay, so you're taping what? A production. So my an hour special. An hour special of what though? Of my stand-up material. Okay, from so, all different locations. No, all over no, no, the no. One location. So one when location. you come to see, when someone comes to see me on the road, I'll yeah. do an hour. Okay. When you go to a stand-up club anywhere in the country, it's host, feature, headliner. And I know that most people don't know this. Stand-up is a very is more niche than people want to believe. So when you go to a club in your hometown or whatever, you go and see the host comes out and says, "Welcome to the club," and then they have the feature which is a 20 to 25 minute set. It's a hot set okay. because the crowd already has their drinks. You get to go up and do your hot 20 to 25. And then they bring up the headliner, me. So then I go up and do 45 minutes to an hour. And that's the general show, no matter where you go to a stand-up club in the country. And every comic's dream is to be on the road, like for whatever. We all want to be doing it. You want to be doing this as a job, and it's really hard to have a club book you. Yeah. So over the years, I've started building this hour and... The clubs are really practice for this special that you're hypothetically putting out. Okay. Some jokes take a day, some take years. Sure. You know, so over the course of whatever amount of time you're building this, and if you get it to a point where you're like, I'm done with these jokes, yeah. where am I going to put it? Now it's think? streaming. Like, so this streaming is, the is thing like now. HBO, Peacock, Amazon, Netflix are kind of the players right now. Okay. For stand-up. Yeah. So you want to be able to put out the special. So just so I understand the industry. Sure. So to get this special is kind of like the marquee. Like that you right. have to have a special to go to that next point. Is that fair? For stand-up. For like, stand-up. Yeah. So you get your special. You decide to put 80K into this. Is this your own money or are you getting it's investors? my own money. Most comics, if they're making a little bit of money, they, they have their own LLC. I'm sure you do too. Sure, of course. So it gets paid from that yep, as a business expense. Yeah. I put down the money. Then you take this, you, you finish it, it's all edited, it's perfect. You go knock on every door and shop. In my mind, as someone who sold life insurance, I want to take away rebuttals. And what's the rebuttal? Ah, you didn't make it with the cameras we use. You know, I don't want yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make it with whatever cameras they use. And I think someone told me this is like a Bill Burr quote. He was like, at some point, you know, you're basically... You're hoping it's a Netflix special. You're hoping you get someone to buy it from you. Of course. And if it doesn't, it's an expensive business card. Mm. Because then you're going to put it on. And, and that, I think that was a Bill Burr quote. But, you know, because then people want to know, when I say I'm coming to town, and maybe they like my Bachelor stuff, they don't know me as a stand-up. Sure. They know me as guy who yells at the TV during The Bachelor and I think is funny. Mm -hmm. It's a different thing. Stand-up is this thing where it almost offends people when you say you're a stand-up comedian, especially men. When you tell someone you're saying, well, oh, you think you're funny. It's not, oh, tell that's me what you a do. joke. Tell me a joke. <laughs> they, but their fists go right up. Where have you been? Would I know you? How come I? Because a lot of people, they're Seinfeld 
and then there's poor loser comic. They don't yeah. think there's a middle class of comedy. Interesting. You know, they, if I don't, and it's a lot of men, especially if they don't know, a lot of men's personalities, their egos built off, I'm funny. I'm the arbiter of what's funny or not. Yeah. So if they don't know you, they go, well, I don't know you. So how funny could you be? I'm funny. I <laughs> <Yeah, right>, understood. <laughs> I got two follow-up questions. Sure. I got a million thoughts. Quick follow-up. You talked about Jerry Seinfeld. You talked about poor Louie. You talked about middle class. Loser, not Louie. Loser Louie. <laughs> he ain't middle, poor. Middle class comedy, if you take the average of what they make on an annual basis, you average it up, Oof. what do you think? Take a I, shot I in the couldn't dark. tell you. Take a shot. I, 100 grand? I would... 60? It's tough to say. It's a wide middle class. Okay. Because High, low, medium. You know... So I guess if you want to know the economics of it, you could go to a club if you're an unknown and you can't spe sell a ticket, no one knows your name, the club might say, I want you to headline for $1,500. Okay. You know, you do five shows, here's $1,500 for the weekend, plus I'll give you your expenses to get there. Okay. So they'll be like, and we'll give you another 400 to get your plane ticket and we'll put you up in a hotel. That, that's, that's a version of a weekend at a club. So if I do a, a club weekend, yeah. which is what a, I would guess a middle class, like not a theater, whatever. Then if you can sell some tickets, now you're getting percentage of the door. Got it. So it'll be like net box office revenue. You'll get like a percentage of that Got over it. a certain amount. So there's a bonus structure that works in. So that's where agencies come in. So you could walk away from a club weekend, you know, making a chunk of You could make more than you'd make in the theater on one night. Hmm. But again, do you want to work one night or three nights three, with five four. shows? You're putting your reps in. You're putting your marketing head on. And then you're also getting paid 5X, whatever it is, you're getting paid per night. My second question, sure. well, I got you. You produce this, 80K. You put it all together. It's the dream. Bill Burr says, if it doesn't sell, it's still your business card. How many big network streaming services passed on it before Netflix came to your door? Three. Okay. HBO, Peacock, and Amazon. And when Netflix comes to your door you're selling it to them for a price tag, obviously more than what you put into it. Yeah, but not by much. Nothing drastic. No, okay. it's not. And, and here's what it also is. What they're doing is they're, they're leasing it for a couple years. Okay. So they're saying, we'll lease it from you. We'll put it on our platform. And this is happening a lot with a lot of comics now. The money changes, as you know, every day. You know, with brand deals, all these sponsorship things, they all change based on what's going on in the world. So I'm sure Netflix had a meeting of some sort and they're like, we got to stop giving to all these comedians and then having them bring me their special. They're going, let's have them make it. And they kind of reverse the thing. And then we'll go look at them. And then maybe we'll buy some and not buy some. I think they're in control. And, and that's probably, you know, the, yeah. more than we want yeah. someone to be in control. You know, like you look, there's a strike right now. You took right. the words from my mouth. Part of the strike was sparked by Netflix. Right. I don't know the specifics because I, the reason I'm here today is because I yell at the TV on Instagram, <laughs> you know? So I did that because I wasn't hired mm -hmm. by SNL and TV shows to be in the writer's room. And you have to find another way. You got to survive. Yeah. You know, uh, how am I going to get my name out there, put butts in seats when no one is plucking me from obscurity? And again, I, I'm not saying there's a complaint. That's just what you do. You yeah. know, like I got to find another way for this business to work out and i always kind of leaned on the internet i was always like i'll be funny here and the rest they'll come to the shows i, I i'll trust in that the, and stand-ups are competitive but it's golf it's tennis it's an individual sport you know we all go up at the comedy cellar i'm at the comedy cellar every night i'm there doing 15 minute sets working on shit making sure that i can go on the road with an act that someone would want to buy a ticket for this is the perfect transition right
Because I'm seeing from a very high sure. level is a lot of the Bat Rifes, the TikTokers, sure. Hannah Burners crushing the crowd work. I'm seeing there's a transition. I'm seeing there's a transition so much that I'm fascinated, especially by people from reality TV, how they jumpstart their career, move in a different direction. We're seeing Bachelor people right. move into comedy. And I see the work you've done. I've seen the work that Matt Rife's done. I've seen the work that all these comedians have done 10 plus years, five days a week. I mean, five. Every night. Every there, night. No, no, no. This isn't, this this is isn't a, a five day. This no, is no, 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 every no. single night. Every night. But what's your take on the way it's transitioning? Are people getting you, in like that? Are you for it? Are you against I, it? Give see, it to I'm me. I'm not against anything. You know, I've always... I mean, I, I've seen you talk shit on Bachelor. You're, you're against a few <laughs> I'm things. I'm against things. I mean, I talk shit. <laughs> but I remember when I was starting to do the Bachelor thing, I would take a night off from stand-up to yell at the Bachelor. Okay. And everyone at the cellar would be like, "This is what are you doing? What?" They make fun of me. <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah. You're taking a night off from the comedy cellar to do bachelor, bachelor recaps, and, and I'll be like, "Yeah, I think this is my own show." It used to be you'd wake up at like five in the afternoon and then go to your show and then drink all night and go to bed. You're doing seven jobs to do the one job you really want to do, which is stand up. So again. Do I roll my eyes at someone who's just like, I'll be a stand-up now? Yeah. I have to admit the crowd work stuff, you know, that can get you so far. You still got to do an hour. You still got to go on stage, and the friend of the person who doesn't know you has to like you. So when I go on stage, yeah, I, I mean, I used to host at the cellar every night. I do my, the whole Bachelor live stream is improv. improv. I'm doing it while the show is on. And you have to be careful. You know, you don't want to say things. I don't want to be offensive. I want to be funny. Yeah. When it's more offensive than funny, you fucked up. So I have to be cognizant of like, how do I want to sound? What do I, what kind of jokes do I want to tell? Am I, and then, so I can do crowd work till like, you know, all so you're for the whole in the hour. face. Well, yeah, it, but it, that's not, I, what's, spe my special is not going to be crowd work. Let me ask you this. I imagine the, the greater you become, the larger you become. You're in a stadium. You're at MSG. We're here sure. in New York City right now. You can't do crowd work in right. a stadium. Exactly. So you have to be able to stand on one hour minimum of right. pure performance. You've got to have an act. So you have outs yeah, over the years. You have like an insurance plan. Right. I got 100 percenters. I got 80 percenters. I got yeah. 70 percenters. I got 50 percenters. I'm working on the 50 percenters yeah. to all be 100 percenters. Got it. But it doesn't start right away. It takes, it takes years, years and time. You know, again, I'll go to Bill Burr, who I've met once in passing, but I, I, he has great quotes about stand-up. If you got a new minute a week, you'll have a new hour a year, 52 minutes in a year, mm. which is a great way to look at stand-up. You know, people will tell you when they want to start stand-up, they'll go, well, I'm going to start once I have five minutes written. You don't even get what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to start when you have five minutes written? Good luck. Write 30, then you'll have five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've never been on stage. How do you know? It's different when you say it out loud on stage. All right, give me this. Sure. Odds. Odds of success. Someone from The Bachelor, someone from Love is Blind, someone comes off, they use their platform, they can sell tickets, they want to become a stand-up. Give me the percentage of likelihood they will make it and why. I, that's a hard thing to answer because, well, I would say it's slim. 10? 10%? It's slim for anyone doing stand-up. Here's... Here's the problem that I would think someone from the reality world would have. Sure. You can't disappear and get good inside, like, without, you have to really commit yourself to doing badly behind closed doors. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You got to go to open mics. You got to go to, like, you know, because the minute you can sell tickets, it's too, it's too much of a temptation 
you know, I remember Katie Thurston. She came to my show. She was uh, she was a fan of the Bachelor podcast, yep. and then went on the Bachelorette, Bachelor, and then became the Bachelorette. Okay, Katie was very nice to me, and came to my show in Tacoma. And it was while she was on as the Bachelorette, which was like a thrill for me. Like, that's unbelievable. So cool. She comes to the show and she was like, I think I want to try. And I was like, so what's the plan from here? She's like, I want to do stand-up. And like, in my mind, good for you. And, but I'm also like, and I said to her, I was like, how are you going to do an open mic? How are you going to work on material? And, you know, I, I think that's the hardest part is you have to say, you have to basically tell people who are making money off of you at that point, because I'm sure she's got agent, manager, all that stuff. Sure. And then says, I want to do a live version. You have to do kind of another version of a stand-up show while you work on the stand-up. Yeah, because interesting. Because people are going to be, ta and I said to her, I remember saying that people are going to be videotaping you. They're going to go, and they're going to say, look at how, you know, you're not good at stand-up. No matter who you are, day one, you're not good. You're not good. good, yeah. You're an infant. When you get on stage. And I wasn't, I'm not saying this about her sure. specific. I'm saying anybody, nobody, anybody saying, gets on stage You once. bomb before you proceed. Yeah, and sometimes you get lucky and you, you, know, you get some laughs on the first one, but it won't be good. Okay. And it won't be worked out and it won't be ready. And someone's going to go, let me tape the person. Oh, look how. And they want, no, again, when I said in the beginning, it's, you, you know, being a stand-up is offensive to some people. That's they, weird. I didn't real. I didn't recognize that in any way, shape, or form. I didn't think it was going to be that way either. I I was like, yeah, I'm going to do comedy, and you just saw right away. Some people were like, oh, you think you're funny again? You you said to me what yeah. the responses are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's no one that, does that about any other job. No one does that. Well, you transitioned from finance insurance to comedy. At what point were you making enough in comedy that you could have done that? See, I'm very lucky. I had like bar mitzvah savings and things like okay. that. Where I was <laughs> like, when you were 13. right? I'm like, I you know, like I like that's the thing. There's not a lot of people with my background that go into stand-up yeah you know when i go to a club the security always looks at me and goes ticket please and they go oh it's jared yeah like i look like someone who would be at a stand-up club with their girlfriend not the <laughs> one that's going on stage so i'm in a very lucky specific situation where like it was starting a business for me so i was like working doing life insurance and i was like i'm gonna be a comedian i'm gonna do comedy i'm gonna you be just said i'm done with insurance done i'm going i'm gonna be funny for money that yeah. was my first thing funny for money i don't know what that means and i considered it going to grad school so if someone has the ability to go to grad school for two years, they don't have, you don't say to them, well, how'd you pay? They figured out a way. Sure. They, they had either loans or they had savings and they were going to go to grad school. So they, yeah. I considered it a comedy grad school. So I left my job and I took improv classes. Uh -huh. I took sketch writing classes. I've never written a fucking thing in my life. The only reason I wanted to do this is I wrote funny emails to my friends. <laughs> Remember the group email? Of course, before the group, group chat. Before group chat, there was yeah. the group email. and We're old enough to know right, that. Oh, there yeah. was the pre... It's just all the fucking... Right, all, and the, all the emails oh, come yeah. in. It would be leading up to the weekend. What are we doing? It'd be your whole crew. And everyone would be on that group email. And I would just spend the day making fun of people on that group email. <laughs> <laughs> and then people would write back to me specifically being like, oh, that made my day. And it felt like drugs in my veins. And I was like, I got to get this feeling. That's a good career tip, though. Right. For people out there, go find what it is that gets that drugs in your veins and pursue it. I like that. I wanted to give myself to the, the comedy community. I wanted to learn. I didn't think I knew what the fuck I was talking about. You know, my parents were like better than I would have ever been. My, my dad's like, my mom didn't get it. Yeah. And my dad was like, oh, you, we love 30 Rock. He was like, oh, you want to be the, one of the guys at the table at 30 Rock? <laughs> you know, the yeah. writers. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, I, hopefully I'll go knock one on day. 30. I'll go knock on NBC's door and I'll, I'll get hired. <laughs> so how long were you preparing before you made your first $1,000 as a stand-up comedian? Oh, my God. Give me a time period. 
I mean, probably a year. Okay, you know, a like, year I mean, before take, you make a thousand to, to get up to without not in one show. Two. I mean, stand ups you get paid, you know, twenty bucks a spot and whatever. It, when you're just starting, it's nothing. Nothing. One thing I can't let go. You said your storytelling coach. Just give me teacher. Teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Correction. All right. Just give me a couple snippets for someone who's back home, whatever it is that they do, wherever they're listening to this storytelling biggest piece of advice you give what do you do from someone who wants to like speak into a mic yeah is they're doing a best man speech you know it's okay. always the best man speech that's and a good I, one and I, and I give the same advice for best man bride maid of honor speeches okay. i give the same advice every time okay you have already told a story about this person if you're the bridesmaid or if you're the maid of honor and if you're the uh, the, the best man you have told a story about your best friend a million times already. Because what people want to do, they want to break the mold. Yeah. No, no, no. You've already told the story. Just tell it. Tell that story. Make sure you're telling it to grandma. You're telling that story to grandma. But tell that story on, you know, like you're telling it to, like grandma. You're telling it to grandma. Everyone in the room knows that person. You're going to get laughs. Tell it over. You've already told it a million times. And then at the end of it, Relate it to their personality and the couple and why you think they're going to be a great couple. Boom. That's all you have That's to do. Because you've already written the material. When I go on stage, some people say they write on stage. I don't write on stage. I'll write a note and then I'll, I'll write a note. What does that my... mean? What does that mean, write on stage? So they'll be like, I'm, I write jokes on stage. They'll like, I never touch pen to paper. Believe Pe they do people that. believe yeah, that they a, write a stupid. joke as they're performing. Yeah. They'll go, but I don't think, there's people that believe, oh, I'm going to go up with this idea. And then I'll write it on stage. Oh, there's people that believe that. that like but there's very successful or... people that believe that. This is why it's so painstaking. This is why when I heard Pilot Pete was doing stand-up, immediate eye roll. Immediate, I call it FTG mode. Fuck that guy. <laughs> okay? I think it's a very male thing. Yeah. When we hear a piece of information, fuck that, fuck FTG, that guy. FTG I like mode. That. I like that. It's a bad thing. That. I like it. It's a good, please do it. It's the ego. I, it's just ego. ego. It's just ego. You're immediate. And I think fuck accepting it is better than not accepting it. Correct. If you accept... I have that in me. I have that bad thing in me. I can get over it. Did you tell him it. that when you saw him? I don't know if I did, but okay. I, because I let it go very quickly yeah. because I immediately hear Pilot Pete's doing stand-up. And I mean, to a lesser extent, Katie, but I knew she was going to do it. I, I knew that night she was going to do stand-up. Like, I, I was like, you don't just say that and not do stand-up. Okay. So is Katie, is, is, I just don't know because I'm not. She was very. Is she, nice. is she still doing it? I think so. Okay. So yeah, I think she's doing it in San Diego. Okay. And so that's been. She's been. That's been a listen, year. That's been look a year at Theo plus. Vaughn. That guy was on oh, Road Rules. Shit, blew up. And then he's you know he worked at it. He was in the clubs. He was get you know he had to go through whatever amount of work to be able to find how he tells. He's His a storyteller yeah. more more or less. You know, like when he does stand up, it's more story. Than you know, one liner. You know, th yeah. there's different forms of stand up. Like okay. I, I'm more a ranty storytelling type of comic. Yeah, and a screamer. You know, a screamer. So, <laughs> that so, gets it going. Yeah, some and some people are like they see that as a crutch. Fine, you know, yeah, like I, I'd like to be less thing. of a screamer, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I go up to sing, dance, and dust. I'm a performer. I want to go on stage. I want to move. I want to. You ever watch Kevin James? Oh yeah. I want to really be full body entertainment. Okay. If you watch a special, it's all physical. It's all me ranting and. It's, it's fun. But, you know, when I hear Pilot Pete's doing stand-up, I immediately go, fuck that. And then my friend who was putting the shows together, I go, what's the deal? And he's like, he wants to do it. I go, and all stand-ups kind of, we have this depressed moment where we're like, 
you know? And then he was at the Comedy Cellar with my friend Ryan Reese, who's the guy I first talked to to get into comedy, okay. was the one putting the show together. He did a show in Long Beach and then won a stand-up New York on the Upper West Side. Okay. And him and Matt Richards, who's another friend of mine, they were at the show and they were like, they were like, he was pretty good. Water. And again, we, and I go, I go, is it, I go, really? And like now mad that he was pretty, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, he's like, pretty good. Shit. But he, they're saying it as comics who have done it a decade. You yeah. know, they're going, no, oh, first time yeah. up, you know, you yeah, yeah, did a good job. Yeah, yeah. And then I said to Ryan, I go, what's the deal? He goes, he, he just wants to try it as like a bucket list item. And I was yeah. like, oh, that like took away all the FTG. Like you, were, you were like, okay, he's coming for me. <laughs> I, I don't know why. It's stupid. It's yeah, stupid. It's, it's my it's own just, ego. It's just ego. It's just ego. And then I saw it and then he turned around. He was like right behind me. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I'm Jan. He goes, oh my, Jared Freed. And he had never seen my face. He's only heard me scream at him. Ah, and you he heard was totally nice. And yeah. I was like, you know, immediately just washes off of you. Okay. Let me ask, because okay. I want to go back to the money, but I want to ask you this. Sure. Anyone from Bachelor World okay. that you ran into, what was the toughest interaction you had with like, oh shit, I literally just dragged that person. Like I just absolutely torpedoed It's them. probably Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and I, you know, she was so nice to have me on. Yeah. And I respect that immediately. Like, yeah, you're going to have yeah. me on after I, she you know. Take and, it, yeah. You know, I gave her a lot of shit because we were very critical of her. Yeah. And, and I also never knew her from a season. So I, when I started doing this. Yeah. <clears throat> to me, I'm always looking for places to be funny. Yeah. To cool. have fun. Yeah. And to me, what I started doing was this, pro I would... The Bachelor used to put out, so they put out profiles. I would like to see what I wrote about you. I would love to see. Oh, you Hold had on. a field I, I day. probably have it. Let's go. So they Dig had, it up. So what they used to do is they put I'm out the picture. It. Dig it Let up. me see if I, what year were you? It was Becca Kufrin season. So 2018, dating myself here. 2008? I've been doing this for that long. <laughs> Fuck. I can't believe it's been five years. I still think five going on six now. Just a bio. It would be a picture, name age, where they live, what they do. That was all the information okay. I had. And I would write jokes about that profile. Based on what they had. Based on nothing. A okay. picture and, a f and those, <laughs> that amount of information. Then they started doing interviews yeah. with like a producer. Yeah. So then they print out the interviews. So I had more to make fun of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I... He's thinking this. Bachelor Preview of 2018. Here, here we is. go. Here's Becca. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, so... There we go. Hopefully there's nothing in there. I, no, I have it. I did. So He's I did Jason. Over. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is fun to go back on because I'm reading. Yo, this this you is gotta, what I wrote about you. got to brush the with, dust off. No, without thing. knowing anything about anything. you. I was like, Betches, I'll write something for you in exchange for retweets and Instagram posts. Okay, but they're not paying you. Not paying. Yeah. Fuck the money. This is worth more exposure. to be exposure. Jason is a senior corporate banker who looks like he enunciates the word senior when he tells you his job so you know his checkered sport coat is handmade. <laughs> That's okay. That is he claims to also have a heart of gold. Which is a big guy thing. We take old sayings you've heard on an old movie, so you associate us with a time that didn't have texting and guys ghosting and swiping apps where we've looked at a face and audibly scoffed at the idea of dating that person. So Jason sounds awful from literally three words and a job title. 
Even worse, he likes to sing Disney songs. Do you like to sing Disney songs? I love to sing Disney okay. songs. Okay. Yup, there's a chance you guys are at a party and he confidently says, nobody sings Frozen better than I do, when nobody even mentioned Frozen or singing. Now you're just listening to a mediocre singer belting out a tune with a senior banker confidence. <laughs> that is, is that, a plus. That's that it. Thank Bravo. you. I, it's so weird uh, to scary. have it. I mean, again, uh, and I'm looking at this. You know, I'm reading this going, run on sentence. You should have done. Like, I, I, wait, as a, you know, I'm in the writing game now. I second yeah. book. I was listening. I'm like, this guy is a fucking writer. The, well, this Alliteration. Is <laughs> he's got great describing words. I mean, the Thank pop. you. And I took a lot of care with these things. You know, you go, again, to, this is a business podcast. It's an entrepreneurship. Yes, I yes. was, you know, when people, I put it through like, my comic friends who write yeah. every day too. And I took care, these articles I wrote with like true, like this is, I'm on stage, I'm in front of 40,000 people. This is Betches, I'm gonna get so many people that are gonna true. read this, you know, like, you, you know. But so you're not at all, like see, it's so hard for my little numbers brain. You're not at all focused on all that time for dollars or work. You're just like all that time, equals more impressions, more eyeballs, more success down the road. If I'm Is funny, money ever on your mind with your career of, direction? Of course. I mean, like, it's, you know, but of course it is. Money's on everyone's mind. But I always believe if you put out good stuff, people It'll pay come. at some point. Okay, let's go back full circle. Sure. Estimate this. Give me a shot in the dark. You leave insurance. You start studying. That's day one. Right. To make 10000 in gross income takes one year. No, it, it's longer Shoot. than that. I, wow. could, I couldn't promise people that. No, I couldn't, what do you think? Two I, years? It, you know, there's some people that they get seen doing five minutes and someone goes, you're writing for my show. Your there's star. some people that have been doing it 10 years and they're still... Or they're like a Matt Reif, right? Like you're just grinding out and right. all of a sudden overnight... Well, that guy also had MTV kind of like plucked him a little bit. You know, that's, you know, he had a show on MTV before. So it's huh. like, how did he, you know... How did he put together a special that he got to OnlyFans? Well, he had yeah. some cash put away. He yeah. had some things going on. He was on Wild and Out. Yeah. You know, he had some things going on. Podcasting for me was always, you know, could back it up. I started this podcast. My J Train podcast, I've been doing it forever. And people were writing in and I was going through things in my life at the same point, you know, point as them. Like you and I are around similar ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in college, like especially for dating. Yeah. So I was going through dating with technology kind of that was when like bumble just came out i remember a guy in my fraternity was like yo we gotta join facebook and i was at lunch with all my fraternity brothers and literally stood up and i was like nope nerd and yeah, we all yeah, laughed yeah, yeah, and yeah. then like someone i remember i i talked about this i did a ted talk about who should pay for the first date and i did this ted talk and who do you think should pay um whoever i mean you gotta watch the ted talk okay but it's, it's we'll, a little bit we'll reference in the recap yeah but the ted talk basically it's about like having taste okay who should pay for the first date people want to have an answer to that question but some people say i'd rather pay and then other people go i'd rather be paid for and i think both answers are right okay so but i think what people do is they would rather have an answer to their question than have their own taste interesting got it and so but i remember in the ted talk i talk about like when someone was like Hey, we should join Facebook. And I was like, no, nerd. And then you found out that like someone was like, oh, I hooked up last night. 
We were like, who? And they're like, she's right here on Facebook. We were like, you can look up women on Facebook? <laughs> Facebook comes out while I'm in college. Yeah. And then you get out of college and dating websites become less guy in his mom, mom's basement. Yep. More like, okay, yeah, you, you know, it's allowable. You could meet someone on a dating website. Then Tinder. Yeah. Oh, you could swipe someone to say whether you <laughs> in or not. You made it easier. And then Bumble happens, then Snapchat, then Instagram DM, and on and on and on. The dating world changes and evolves, and I'm a, a, a product of timing. Yep. You know, I'm in my 20s, going to my 30s, and all this stuff is happening at the same time, and I'm on a podcast telling you how a guy really feels while going through this. <laughs> so what happened was, in the beginning, was a lot of dudes writing in being like, I met a girl at the bar, how do I fuck? And then women started finding it and like looking for a guy's opinion and, and yeah. on what's going on. Why are you thinking this way? Why is yeah. this happening? Why is it ghosting? Why is it going on this way? Why does he keep liking all my pictures after makes a plan? And I could give an answer that I would give for myself that is a little icky. Yeah. And But you'd give the truth. But I would give the truth, and I think part of the reason... You know, I try to give it an edible way too. Like I, I think I, I put a lot of time and effort into thinking, what's a way to say this that I, isn't, a lot of things I say about dating aren't easy to hear. Yeah. You know, and. But it's the reality but of it's what the reality. needs to be heard. Right. All right. Let me go into this. So that talk, that explains a lot of your motivation behind what you do and how you did and how long ago you did it and that the money was not the driving factor. It was just the work. I want to end with this before we get your trading secret because I could talk to you all night and mm. we unfortunately have a cutoff here. But I want to ask I mean, you these this. These trulies are hitting. These trulies are hitting, <laughs> but, but bombing. Like, I think that's something that's relatable when you're in stand up or whatever right. career you're in, you fall on your face. Right. You're in a sales pitch, you stumble over your words. Right. You're in an interview, you fuck it up. You're teaching your first class and there's a you know, principal watching you and you totally bomb and get fired. When you bomb, what is the best advice you give to someone before, during, and after? Ooh, bombing is instructive. If you can change your perspective on bombing, bombing didn't just happen to you. Ugh. Like, it happened for reasons. <clears throat> if you can look at those reasons and listen to them, you're going to be better the next time. And it's going to hurt, and it's going to be embarrassing. You're not going to sleep at night. I've had so many sleepless nights because you know after you get in an argument with someone, yeah, you go to home in the mirror and it's like no, I would have said start. this and I would have said that and I should have said that. Hundred percent. That's that's what you feel after bombing. You go yeah. oh and and even like if someone heckles me, I had someone heckle me, and the worst heckling is when it's just talking. Okay. When it's not even at you. When it's not engaged. Oh, it's like two people chit chat. Just talking loud. It's, it's like the biggest insult. It's right? you're not it's even like listening. You're not, you're not even there. It's all right, and okay. it's also might not even be an insult. That's how they are having fun. That was oh, the okay. night they planned on having. Okay. There's empath There's empathetic ways I can look at it, and then there's fuck, fuck this you. guy. I'm He's here. not funny. You know, like, okay. So they're chit chatting. They're chit chatting, and they're you know the audience that comes from my shows. Again, I love the people that come to my shows. Like they're like. You know, they're they're like educated women, like fun groups. They sure. want to hear about everything. I do a bachelor bit on the special. Yeah. Uh, but like, they, you know, they know me from the bachelor, but they don't care about what I talk about, sure. which is like amazing. And I yeah. love it. Yeah. And so they're all like, the, the audience is like zoned in. I'm having a great set. Like it's okay. going okay, but it's five minutes in and these people are not talking. I see them out of the corner of my eye. Okay. So I get to a part of the set where I talk about going to the beach and I talk about like looking at yourself in the mirror before going to the beach. How you have that moment. Yeah. And I talk about that. And the girl who's been talking the whole night, she goes, what about wearing a tankini? <laughs> it has nothing to do with any tankini. I haven't heard of someone wearing a tankini in like 10 years. Yeah, like, I don't yeah, even, yeah. Uh, so I, 
And it's the person who's been talking the whole time. So they don't even know. I know that they haven't been listening. Listening to anything you listen, said. If you're going to talk a little bit in the, in the crowd and not listen, if you're going to go away from my show, that's fine. fine. I, uh, yeah. I'm not for you. That's okay. Okay. If you're going to talk loudly enough where people around you who paid tickets for the show are being interrupted, that's frustrating to me. Okay. If you're going to yell out in the middle of a bit that I'm going through and everyone else is enjoying, you want the show to be about you. Yes. And not about what people bought a ticket for. And that's the hardest part about being me, a nobody doing stand-up, is like, you're not listening to me? Like, yeah. it sounds bad. So yeah, you have yeah, this yeah. weird kind of thing to work through. And I go... I was going to say, what do you do? So she says, what about a tank candy? I go, oh, hold on. Let me <laughs> check with the crowd. Did anyone here come to hear the unplanned rantings of a drunk woman? <laughs> Everyone just loved it. Everyone loved it. Yeah. Everyone's laughing at her. And, and she's not hearing that. You know, she's, again, people who yell Is out she like, like that. going back? She goes, no, nah, well, we want it. You don't know what a tankini is? And I'm like, you know, she didn't even, to me, if you want to spar with me, yeah. I just sparred with you. You took your shot. Yeah. I nailed you. <laughs> Go away. Now we're back. Like, there's redemption in this, you yeah, know? Like, yeah. I, I'm okay with you coming. You, I do this all the time. I like talking to the crowd. I can, I can do... Some comics are like, if you talk to me, get them the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're like, like you want to spar, I'll spar. Let's go. Step in my ring. If you want to play, we're going to play. I love that. And, and I, I didn't come here with, I need someone to yell out. That's not my plan. Sure. That'd be a bad fucking plan for a stand-up <laughs> comedian. You know, a good thing... There's some people that... Industry good thing you got that person in the audience. Yeah. It's like... No, no good, good thing I made that person in the audience fucking funny. Yeah. You yeah, know, oh, you know so <laughs> that is the only point to me. Like, yeah. the idea that comics are like, I hope some accountant shows up and yells something. Yeah. No, no, I got an act that I brought that I think and know kills. So, and, but you got to like, listen, if you're not going to listen and you're going to yell out, okay, now we're going to do the you show. So yeah. I start making fun of her and it's killing. She's not willing to relent. <laughs> okay. So she, then she yells out, well, he tried to get tickets for Matt Rife, so, and we couldn't get him, so we ended up here. So now she's like trying, I can see the now angle. she's, she's trying to take like dig. Right. She's trying now, to take a low blow. She's trying to say, well, you can't sell tickets and, and that better comic because they sell more tickets. Whatever. So and like, what'd you say? <clears throat> I said, well, you'll have to go to his show and try and blow him then. So <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> so you just keep sparring. Right, that's the thing. Now, I'm you're, throwing, like, I'm not, now you're throwing A-makers. Right. And I don't feel good about that. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I've had instances. I end up feeling worse afterwards. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, like, make a fool of someone. Like, I... But what's... Give me, give me a somehow. Give me an entrepreneurial business or bombing takeaway from that. Like, what is the, is the takeaway there? Like, you just have to be resilient, know your audience, and adapt accordingly? Like, what's... You have to the, listen. You've got that. You gotta a good, listen. That's, I, I, I that's a good takeaway. You gotta listen. Because if I didn't hear her say the whole sentence, but, and take your time. You have more time than maybe the other person. Ooh, you, I like you that. Know, again, this is like when, whenever someone's heckling me or it's, it's a heckle, I repeat what they say to them. Ooh, that's, that's that a good one. That gives you time right to there. think about it. And now you have time to do it. So I love it. Whenever someone yells something at me, I always repeat it. Even on my videos where I do these ick videos, like I have, the, I have yeah. this bit about the ick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and during the show, I go, ladies, if, if anyone has an ick, please yell them out. I always repeat them back. Interesting. I always, because I'm that's thinking of like, what's like the angle that. I'm going to take? I like it. So that's even in a positive space where it's not a bomb. These are people yeah. that want me to be funny. Yeah. So I repeat it back and then I have time to think. 
during, you know, and I'm listening yeah. to them. And I'm saying the words to myself. Oh, this is what they're saying. This is what they yeah. mean by it. Yeah. They ended up getting kicked out in the like right after that interaction like, okay because the, the, like, they're not letting the show move on like yeah. i'm happy to let well, the show at, move at some on. point it's just like you got it's enough already I, you gotta let them go right yeah, and i and, but i end up feeling bad like yeah, i but don't you shouldn't feel bad that's i know i shouldn't that's but, your I, job. but again like you know i i guess i have my dad in my head my dad's like stop don't even talk to them my dad's like ignore you should never talk no to them but you got to engage him and i like what you said about the bombing too i think that was such a good good piece of advice everyone likes to finger point everyone right. likes to say well I bond because of this and because that person said that or my asshole person in the audience. Right. But I liked what you said, like, dig within. There's a reason you bombed. Right. Identify it. Work on it. Correct it. That's right. huge. There's, there's, I think only bad comics, you know, you get a lot of people that will say, you have to switch it for the audience. I never said switch yeah. it for the audience. I went to Europe. I did seven shows in Europe. Did the same act to do here for the Europeans. There were things I over-explained. Sure. Things I you know would explain a little bit more yeah. to make sure they got it yeah same act i love that and and it's stay like, consistent within yourself and right. that even goes back to the idea about giving your best man speech you've given the story before tell the story again. right you're doing an interview about yourself you've told the story about yourself right re-explain it we got to wrap those. Sorry, we have I, so I, I, much time. I could stay here for two hours with your stories. Are I want to come back. I, 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 I never shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. After your Netflix show, we're going to come back and see how it did. But before we do that, <laughs> we need to trade. You gave a lot of okay. trading secrets. Sure. I need a trading secret from you. It could be money management. It could be negotiation. It could be career management. So life management. this is a motto I have. One this Jared is, trading secret. This is my trading secret. This is my, my motto. And I came up with it. I lived with my brother. Okay. We lived on the Upper East Side in an apartment. I was doing stand-up, and he was working, and we lived... He's my younger brother, and he, um, you know, I would be like, what do you think of this joke or this premise sure. or whatever? And he, if he was in a bad mood, he'd be like, that sucks. You know, he'd immediately, that sucks. And I'm like, no, 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 nothing sucks. We write to edit. So that's kind of been my motto. I write something to edit it. I like that. I don't do things... It's never a finished product. Yeah. And this goes for everything. I'm writing to edit. It's not... That sucks. It's okay. You wrote it down. Let's do it better the next time. Mm. I wrote it so that I can edit it. So I, I kind of live by that. I write to edit. And you can't edit it unless you write it. You got to write. That it. can connect to anything. Invest. You can't invest until you give it a shot. You can't change your strategy until you've done it. You can't redo something until you've given it a shot. You can't fix bombing until you've bombed. Right. Right. Like I think that is a great quote that connects to not only stand up but everything. I listen. Stand up is like the most instructive thing. Like if again, like Pete's doing it. Yep. I'm sure he took away things from it that he never thought he would have taken away. I think like if anyone was to take a class and just go try it and see, you know, not even they don't want to make it their life, but you want to like learn from it. Of course. And, and, and I, I really do think like what goes into like being good at standup is like so transferable in so yeah. many ways. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm going to put David to the challenge, myself to the challenge and the recap. One of us is going to try standup in some capacity. I don't know what capacity. We're going to talk about it. Jared, where can people find everything you have going on? At Jared Fried on Instagram. If you want to hear me yell at The Bachelor, I'm always yelling <laughs> at The Bachelor. And the special, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's, it's, it's right like now, it's on Netflix. It's a dream come true. I'm, I'm like, I can't tell you how thankful I am that you had me. I texted you. I was like, we met once. And I'm like, maybe you'll have me on. I, I, you know, so I, thank you. It's yeah. called 37 and Single. I want you to watch it. Make it a date night. Share it with your friends. Hit like if it's on Netflix. You know, I'm kind of praying to Father Algorithm. Like, I want people on, that would listen, but i want people that like listen to this podcast you you're interested in like 
you know, a high level motivational podcast. We're here about business and entrepreneur entrepreneurial endeavors like that's the type of audience i want so yeah. i want you guys to watch it so that more people like you will find it and enjoy it there's so many fun bits that i enjoy doing that i can never do again yeah i also have a whole new hour that i'm on the road with now okay. so i have a brand new hour of material that i've been working on and it's all about going to the beach with my family and yeah. it's called the family business tour and i'm like jaredfree.com for tickets i'm gonna be in huntington long island i'm gonna okay. be in atlanta seattle all these great cities and it's a brand new so there won't be one bit from the special when I go to do a live show. Perfect. That is everything, Jared Freed. We're going to have you back for two things. We're going to talk about how the Netflix series did, and it. we're also going to get your take on the Golden Bachelor that's coming up, because oh, I know you're going to have a field day. I've been talking that. about this for years. I've been wanting this. <laughs> the I, like, time has come, and Jared... How excited are you? Jared will be back for that moment. I can't wait. Oh. 10 out of 10. Jared, thank you for being on Trade Secrets. You. Ding, ding, ding. We have the curious Canadian, the one and only David Arduin, here to discuss the Jared Freed episode. Now, he mentioned it, David, and I know you know it, but I met him right after he went on Caitlin's show. He was in the house. We hit it off. Great guy. A few weeks later, he's like, listen, I now know I have a Netflix show that's going to premiere. I need to come on your show. I was like, I'll be in New York next week. Let's run it. I had a guess that you would absolutely love this episode because the cool thing for Money Mafia back home is David always has a different stance than the Money Mafia, I feel like. I feel like sometimes he loves the show and the Money <laughs> Mafia hates it or he hates the show and the Money Mafia loves it. So, David, I am very curious what your take is on Jared Fried in this episode. Yeah, very polarizing uh, take sometimes by me. But first and foremost, it's good to hear a little little step back in your ding, 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 but <laughs> you, you sound better. Let me just do a quick check in here, Jay. It's Friday, the 18th of August. As we do this, you know, from what I've seen, you've still maintained a little break from social media. So it's funny sometimes when you take breaks from social media, even as one of your best friends, it's like, I feel like I don't even know what you're doing sometimes <laughs> or what you're up to. So obviously we've had some, you know, texts and, and combos over the last week since we really last ca caught up about it. but you know, give us a life update as far as Friday, August 18th goes uh, and how you're doing with everything. You know, David, it's funny. It's, I always joke around with people. I'm like, if I win the lottery, the first thing I'm doing is deleting all my socials. And I can confirm after this last, <laughs> I don't know, almost two weeks of not being on social media, that would still be the case. Um, I feel like today and yesterday, it's probably the first two days in a really, really really long time, months and months, that the highs are outweighing the lows, if that makes sense. Now, the lows are still there. But when I do a T-chart of like, what was my high today? What am I grateful for? What was good for my physical and mental health? Just the last two days have been a little bit better. But, you know, I'm, it's kind of like just, I'm not trying to thrive here. You know, I am trying to barely survive here. I feel like the foundation that I'm on right now is like, it feels like quicksand, if you will. And I'm just trying to make it like a beach sand where it's still hard to walk, but like, it's not sinking, you know, figuring out where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to buy. If I'm going to rent, uh, I'm in a very, very short term temporary situation now, but I need to figure out something quick here. So that's been um, my focus. And I think it's just been a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's day by day, it gets better. And I feel fortunate saying this at 34, but the grief that I have experienced in the last like few months is the hardest grief I've ever experienced in my life. And I know, I know when I say that at 34, 
that I am so lucky that a breakup with a fiance is the hardest grief I've ever experienced. But I'm just giving myself a lot of attention, my mental health, a lot of attention. And yeah, the lows that I've experienced in the last few months have never been so low. So little baby steps and we're getting there. Yeah. Let me just tell you from where I sit, you know, I can respect the fact that you said that you're not trying to thrive, you're barely surviving. But I think, you know, what, what I can do and, and what your community wants, wants to see you thrive. And we want to, we want to help be a part of getting you back there. And we want to, you know, be there for you in these times. So you're doing all the things that you're needing to do to get to these places and in due time that you'll be back there. So, you know, while you are off social media, hopefully this is a nice little, you know, check-in we can do every week before you're kind of back in the swing of things. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to that if you're good with that. You hold me to it. The more I feel comfortable talking through it, I will. And of course, like I hold my guests to, I said this a couple of weeks ago, I hold my guests to the standard of tell me what's going on, be transparent. As I go through, especially the financial side of this personal navigation, am I renting, am I buying, where did I go? You know, all these things impacting just the numbers and of my life and decisions I'm making. I'll, I'll be open with all this in due time. So Money Mafia, bear with me. It's coming. I love it. So let's, let's turn the page yeah. here and let's bring the energy back up. Because you were absolutely right. Jared Freed came on, did the Jewish mother bit where he was already <laughs> in character. And I was like, oh boy, strap in. I am in for an absolute ride here. But you know what? Like This guy's just straight up funny. And I think there was some really good personal advice that we could take into the life, some, some business questions that I have. But at the end of the day... I can respect a funny guy who's just naturally funny and they're not trying to be anybody but you know what they are. And he brought that energy big time. And I know the feeling when you're like, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. Like That definitely was someone, a guest that I feel like you could have sat there and talked for hours. And a guest that I would like to talk to for hours. You know, the funniest thing about having him is... It was so hard for me to even interrupt and interview him because I just wanted to keep listening to him. And then I'd have to remind myself, like, dude, speak up. You got to ask questions. So I think I like your take, though, because there were a few numbers he threw around for sure, right? We talked about the 80000 for Netflix. He estimated two years to make $10,000 in this space starting off. So he got into that. But for me, I think there's a lot of golden nuggets within this industry that can serve as really solid blanket statements and pieces of motivation for people in all industries as they navigate their careers in life. And so that would be cool if we kind of focused on some of his little quotes and tidbits and pieces of advice yep. that we could all touch on. Yeah, absolutely. The first one I want to get into is really the only business question that I have that isn't like a life question. And it had to do with how he paid for the special, the 80K for the special. He mentioned that most comics and, and people like yourself have their own LLC. So he said he paid for the special from his LLC so that he could get a lot of business expenses paid for through that. I need you to dumb this down and explain that for me. When, you, when he pays for his special through his LLC... Does he have to put money? Does he have to invest money into his LLC? Is he just having a credit card that says Jared Freed LLC on it that comes out of the same bank account as his personal account? How does it work? How do you take advantage of an LLC? What's really the purpose in that? Give me the. I know that's probably a, a question you could do a whole podcast on, but give me the give me the skinny on on 
with the advantages of an LLC and how he really used it. Yeah, we'll keep it super high level because we could do a whole podcast on business structures. But in general, LLC, for anyone that doesn't know, it just means a limited liability company. And the biggest thing it does is it protects your personal liability. So if you start a business, the operations of that business flow through the structure of an LLC. And God forbid there's a lawsuit or an accident or any type of issue within the business in which there could be a massive impact from a financial standpoint on yourself and the business, that liability is protected just in the shell of the business, right? Then there's other ways to layer on extra protection through insurance. But the point of an LLC really is to help you reduce the liability on your personal financials when you start a business. The second thing is tax code, tax strategy. And so he starts an LLC, it's for his whole comedy business. Revenue flows into this LLC from when he does stand-ups, when he does appearances, and uh, when he gets paid from Netflix, right? That's the revenue side. Now, when he's saying expenses, just imagine this LLC, say Netflix pays him 90K for the special, because he said they don't pay much, they didn't pay that much more. So suppose they pay, let's just say 100K. He would have 100,000 come into his LLC as revenue. And he's not paying taxes on $100,000. He's reducing the $100,000 by the 80K it cost him to do this, to create this. And then he only pays taxes on 20,000. And that all flows through his LLC. Does that answer your question? That does. I was like the interesting business person that I am, not thinking about that the revenue that he's also creating, getting paid into that, which kind of makes it go around. So yeah, you did explain that really well. So now, do you do you recommend LLCs for anybody that's starting side hustles or that doesn't have a side hustle? Is that something that, you know, people should look into getting an LLC? Should I have an LLC for I don't know, podcast work that I do or, or coaching things or things like that? I think that is an unbelievable question and it's one that's going to take longer than our 15, okay. 20 minute recap. So hold on to that and I will actually bring an attorney on. We'll talk about every different structure you could have from a partnership, a sole proprietorship, an LLC, an S corp, a C corp, and what would make most sense for you. Well, I also think the people at home should know that we have been talking on the side about adding that second episode, kind of like a 15, 20 20, 30 minute little episode about these things that people are leaving in the reviews about retirements, about LLCs, about, you know, updates in, in our lives and current events. So just so you know, people, there's that little nugget that, that we're leaving out there. That was a brilliant point. Another episode, we're working through it. The second thing is I'll be in New York early September doing some work and I want to have some people on Trading Secrets from the Money Mafia. So if you will be in New York that first mm. week or two of September, shoot us an email, tradingsecrets at jasontarek.com, and you can be on one of these episodes. Okay, David, Jared Fried, what else you got? There's so many things, but I think there's an overall theme here. And I think what he showed in the lifestyle of a comedian is you have to just keep pumping out content and learning and adapting. This is where it can be translated into life skills. He said, bombing happens for a reason. It's not that it just happened to you. It's not that you know, you're know you gonna have a consistent set and then one of the sets you bombed. Bombing happens for a reason. And it's kind of the whole like, use it as an opportunity and learn from it. And I know there's probably examples in your life and I know as a hockey coach, if I go out there and lose eight nothing, it happened for a reason. It's not just by chance, right? It's not a bad bounce. So I have to watch film, I have to learn from it, I have to go and practice so it doesn't happen again. I just thought that, that sometimes in our lives, we don't take the losses or the negative things that are happening and sit back and analyze them and adjust for them. 
I know that that for me was a huge takeaway that I got from this was just his ability and the comics ability in the industry to take results for what they are and not just look at them as to like, that'll never happen again, but that's happening. I got to fix it. I got to edit it. I got to work. I think the bombing discussion was brilliant. And I think it was also Mm -hmm. a brilliant connection into his trading secret, which is right to edit. I think bombing is the same thing. Bomb to edit. You losing eight, nothing. Lose to edit. Fall on your face to edit. Have a breakup to edit. Have a life setback to edit. All these things in life happen and we can't avoid them and we have to live through them. It's just like, how are we editing our approach? How are we editing our preparation? How are we looking at ourselves within to take that and edit it so that moving forward, it can be adjusted? And I think it's a genius nugget that applies to every aspect of our professional worlds, but also our our crazy personal lives too. If you really think about a lot of the guests that we've had on, like Barbara Corcoran's one that pops in in my mind, like how many times did she fail, right? How many times did she fail? Have our guests failed? And they're like, ah, I failed. This is why I failed. So I'm going to this new venture, this new thing. I'm going to tweak that. And now I get to the next level. I'm going to fail there. I tweak that. I get to the next level and the next level. I just thought like his mindset around that was just so refreshing because it was like more like a duh, like I have to fail so I can learn from it so I can get better rather than like, oh, woe is me. Like I'm just going to tread in the mud for a long time. I I agree with that. And I do not want to overstep this or oversee it. When he talked about, I never thought that I would be found and picked out of obscurity. So I created it myself. Money Mafia, Mm. let this speak to you. Okay. We are not all Matt Rife. We are all not six foot two. Hi, Robin and Pino. We're all not six foot two, blonde hair, blue eye, studs head to toe that are funny, quick on our feet, can come back with crowd work faster than anybody in the world. Not everyone has that, but everyone has something super special. And unless you have this like outlying thing going on, like Matt Rife, people aren't just going to be knocking on your door. You got to go find the opportunity. You have to create the Netflix series so Netflix buys it. You have to find a way to get yourself in. And that lesson spoke to me. It spoke to Money Mafia. It spoke to all of us. Stop sitting back waiting and waiting and waiting for the people to come to you. Put yourself in a position to get lucky to succeed. His takes like, the reason I'm here today is because I yelled at the TV on the internet. Like he was talking about seven nights a week lifestyle. He was taking one night off to yell and do bachelor recaps and people in his own industry were like, dude, what are you doing? That's a waste of time making fun of him. I compare it to like being a TikToker, like to be a successful TikToker, like take the Alex Earls of the world. She was pumping out daily content for years before she blew up. That's how these people become successful. And it's just so motivating guys. Like you cannot hear these people and have the same experiences enough that come on our podcast and they're on our podcast because they're successful for it to not be you know, reality. I know we're running out of a little uh, out of time here, Jay, but I do either want to talk about one of two things. One, I loved his take on the advice being a storytelling when he was talking about the dynamics in a crowd and dealing with, you know, people chirping or like, you know, he's like, it's one thing if they're engaging and trying to get involved, but another if they're just whispering. But he said, when people chirp them on stage, he repeats the heckle back to them. And he says, you have to listen, but most importantly, take your time. And I just think about arguments or that you have with your, you know, your friends or your spouse, or maybe in a work conversation, in a heated meeting, and we feel so pressed to get our response and our answer and our statement out there. But I just thought in these situations, maybe it's a job interview, maybe it's a negotiation, listen, 
repeat and take your time so you can have the response. Did that resonate with you at all? It did. And I'd be willing to say that almost 100% of the time with pure certainty, when I take my time in situations of frustrations or high emotions and think through it and not react, but let myself understand it, I am thankful for that. And I could say with almost 100% certainty, the times I instantly react are the times that I regret. And so I really liked what he said about take your time. And I loved what he said about repeat back what they say to you because it gives you time to think. I loved it. It yeah. was brilliant. Wasn't that a Chris Voss tactic with the negotiator that we had on? Yeah. Didn't he say if you repeat back, it kind of opens up Pandora's box and now they, they'll touch on 10 different things and give you some more information? And on top of it, he said it allows the person you're talking to to understand they have been heard. And that's one of the biggest yes. issues in communication. Yeah. But David, I loved that point. I loved all the points you brought up. This is the time in the episode where we give something away from the influencer closet. Just go give us five stars on Apple or Spotify. Let us know what guests you think that we should have on and or any of your number one takeaways from this past episode. We are giving it away to Go Blue 62 loyal listener. I've been listening to Trading Secrets since almost the beginning and I got to say Corey Warren's episode is exactly the push I needed. His trading secret by saying you miss 100% of the shots you don't take may have been a motivational slogan I've heard before, but exactly what I need to hear in this moment. I've been pondering a business idea with a written pitch, but waiting to just press send. After listening to this episode, I went right home and did just that. His advice made me realize I don't have anything to lose and everything to gain. Being in my mid-20s, I've thought a lot about how I can set myself up for the future, and this podcast has offered some valid advice. It's so fun to hear from such a variety of guests between restaurants to reality TV stars on what they have done to get where they are at now. The podcast has forced me to think of my future in ways I haven't before. I look forward to future episodes and financial advice. That's five stars. Loyal listener, Go Blue 62 Just shoot us your address and name. Trading Secrets at jasontarek.com and we will send you something from the influencer closet and for everyone out there please remember to give us five stars please remember to give us a review go follow the curious canadian david ardo and on instagram follow our podcast page trading secrets podcast and everything we have on youtube david you got anything you want to close us out with not if but when we do a trading secrets live tour i need jared freed as a guest to bring the energy to get some banter to get some back and forth work some crowd work you said in the in the episode Maybe me and you are going to have to challenge ourselves to do a little bit of a bit or a set or something like that. I just think that, that guy's energy was electric and his his ripping of you in your, in your bio for the Bachelorette season that you were on had me in stitches. So unbelievable episode. I was dying. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed it as well. He shredded me. It was amazing. And don't you worry, David, I made sure to clip him roasting me. So that will be a live clip on yes. all of our socials. That's coming. Love it. And thank you for everyone in the Money Mafia. Let us know what's going on in your week this week, work-wise, or what you're struggling with in our Trading Secrets Facebook group. And hopefully this was another episode of Trading Secrets, one you couldn't afford to miss. Bringing that money, money, rain on me.